Pastor Tom Keller gives us a quick timeline of future events. So here's the timeline, providing you've accepted Christ as your Savior. Number one, if you have chosen to accept Christ as your Savior, then number two, after that decision, when the rapture occurs, he will come for you and take you to live with him in his Father's home. And then three, at the beginning of the seven years of tribulation, the official wedding ceremony takes place. And then four, at the end of the seven years, you will come to the earth with Jesus and spend 1,000 years here on earth with him, ruling and reigning by his side. The Bible tells us that God has everything planned out from the beginning to the end, from the smallest detail to the greatest, and all will come about in its proper time. This is Study the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Lebanon, online at ccleb.com. Our Bible teacher is Pastor Tom Keller. We're currently in chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. Here's Pastor Tom with the first nine verses. So what is this marriage of the Lamb? In John chapter 14, Jesus told the the disciples that he would come for them again. He would come for them and us and take us to be with him in heaven. John 14 says, Jesus said, in there is more than enough room in my father's house. Many translations says, in my father's home are many mansions. If this were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And that promise, folks, that promise is fulfilled at the rapture prior to the seven years of tribulation. And so the rapture is when, listen, the rapture is when the bridegroom comes for his bride. And at that time, Jesus will take his bride to his father's house, which is where? In heaven, that's right. Someone said Newark. That's not right. (laughs) And verse 7 speaks of the marriage ceremony itself. It says, Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Now, again, this occurs at the beginning of the rapture, at the rapture. But the wedding feast doesn't take place until the end of the seven years. And because the marriage ceremony occurs at the rapture, that means that we are currently living in our engagement period with Jesus. And the Lord has given us a pledge of his unwavering, never-failing commitment to us in marriage. In Ephesians 1 verse 13, it says this, and now you Gentiles have also heard the, good, the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, listen, this is for you. When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. Listen, listen, this applies to you. The Spirit is God's guarantee, guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. And it's a guarantee that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this 
so we would praise and glorify him. Beautiful words, comforting words. So at the time of the rapture, the marriage ceremony takes place, and with this also comes the judgment seat of Christ. When the rapture takes place, we then appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. We find this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Now, this is known as the judgment seat of Christ in Greek, the Bema, the Bema seat. The Bema was a raised platform on which judges sat in order to view athletic games. This is where the judges of games presented awards to the victors. The Bema was never a place to reprimand athletes or to punish them in any way. It was only a place of reward, acknowledgement. In the same way, the Bema seat of Christ will not be a place of punishment or condemnation, only acknowledging the good work that you've done. Now, does the Bible back this up? It does. Romans 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. He took the curse for our sins, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. John 5, 24, listen, strong words, true, Jesus speaking. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, have you heard his word? Have, do you believe in him who God sent? Then you have eternal life. And add to that, he says, he does not come into judgment. You will not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. So believers, we are secure in Christ. And we still, however, appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And this will be a time of viewing, a review of the good that we have done. And Jesus will inspect our good works in order to commend us, in order to reward us. What did we do with the talents and resources God gave us? How faithful were we while we were down here? Were we yielded to the Spirit? Did we seek to honor Christ and accomplish his work in this world? If so, Jesus tells us that we will receive a reward, even for the smallest thing we do. Matthew 10, verse 41, Jesus speaking, if you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. If you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. Listen, listen. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. And if we neglect those opportunities to serve the Lord, we will suffer the loss of rewards that we could have had, but no condemnation or punishment. That's all done at the cross. 1 Corinthians 3 makes this clear on this rewarding. It says, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, 
but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So what takes place at the judgment seat of Christ is that we will appear and the good that we've done on this earth will survive. It will, take, it will be taken into heaven with us and rewards given on the basis of the good that we've done. The things that we have done on earth that had no lasting value, things that were self-centered, selfish, chasing after this world, uh, it, it burns up. It doesn't come into heaven with us because it has no value. It has no eternal lasting value. There's no punishment. All that wrath is done at the cross. No punishment for it, just no acknowledgement for the good there could have been, no rewards for the good there could have been, but no punishment. And if you think about it, if God was to do a review of all of our earthly failures, all of our sin, what would that accomplish? What benefit would there be to that? Would it teach us a lesson? We're never going to need a lesson again, right? We're never going to sin again. We're never going to be tempted to sin. We're in heaven. Why would we need a lesson? So to what benefit would there be to rehearse all this? You know, some people, when I teach this, they don't like this. They really think, I should have to pay. I should have to pay for what I've done while I'm down here. Well, someone did pay. Jesus paid. He paid it all. He paid it all. People say, you mean I, I can just sin do whatever I want and get away with it? You'll never get away with sin. Sin has consequences down here. But one of them is not God rejecting you because of your sin. That's paid. It's done. And all that makes us all so clearly aware of how loving he is and compassionate and forgiving he is. So why would anyone benefit if he did that? Because it would give him pleasure? Of course not. Would it give us pleasure? Absolutely not. And remember, he has promised, promised to forget all of your sins and failures. Psalm 103, 12. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. And Isaiah drives that point home, 43. I, yes, I alone, God speaking, will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them. Again, I think never includes heaven. Never. And so if Jesus did bring up all our sin at our homecoming, think about it. If you went to heaven and he brought up all our past sin, picture that. That would be that he's giving his wife a tongue lashing as he walks her down the aisle. He's giving his bride, who is walking down the aisle to the wedding ceremony, he's giving her a tongue lashing right before he goes up to take her as his bride. It went happy. You know, people, and I've done this before, but people picture getting to heaven, and some picture this. They picture getting to heaven, and when they get there, because God's forgotten their sin, and they know that. God's forgotten their sin. But they get to heaven, and they picture Jesus coming out and saying, Carl, it's so good to see you. What? Uh, oh, oh, whoa, I'm remembering. I promise to forget, but that doesn't last up here. Uh, you did that? We're going to talk. Now, if that happens, if he does that, how does he transition to the welcoming Jesus? It's like a cuckoo clock, right? He comes out, ah! Goes back in, ah! How could you picture that any other way? There is no transition. He has forgotten, he has forgiven. And listen, folks, there is no time, 
There is no time that the grace of God is going to be as apparent to us and as meaningful to us as we stand in the presence of an all-holy, righteous God. Boy, are we going to are we going to appreciate grace at that moment like we've never appreciated before. So here's the timeline providing you've accepted Christ as your savior. Number 1, if you have chosen to accept Christ as your savior, then number 2, after that decision, when the rapture occurs, he will come for you and take you to live with him in his father's home. And then three, at the beginning of the seven years of tribulation, the official wedding ceremony takes place. And then four, at the end of the seven years, you will come to the earth with Jesus and spend 1,000 years here on earth with him, ruling and reigning by his side. And folks, there is a beautiful, remarkable similarity between your marriage to Jesus and an ancient Jewish wedding. Let's take a look at this. The Jewish Talmud says that the bride is acquired by the groom, by the groom leaving his father's home and traveling to the bride's home to purchase her for what is known as the bride price. This prenuptial process can be seen as symbolic of Christ's work on our behalf. Jesus also left the home of his father in heaven and traveled to the home of his prospective bride to earth to purchase her, to purchase us for a price, a bride price, his own blood. And in all cases, the wife could only be acquired with her consent. And the same is true with us. We must of our own choosing accept Jesus' proposal to save us through his blood payment on the cross. And back in the day you were saved, you, in essence, joyously consented to Jesus' marriage proposal. And once a to-be bride accepted his proposal, then the legal marriage contract was established. And from that moment on, the bride is set apart exclusively for her bridegroom. Once you, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, the contract is signed, settled, you are set apart. And in order to prove his commitment to go through with the wedding, Jesus has sealed us as his bride with a pledge, a non-refundable, non-cancelable down payment, if you will, which is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 1, it is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us, listen, and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a first installment that guarantees, guarantees, guarantees everything he has promised us. And under Jewish marriage, there were two stages to a marriage, a betrothal and then the consummation of the marriage. Now, the first stage, the betrothal, is not an engagement as we understand engagements. Betrothal was rather a binding agreement in which the woman is legally considered to be the wife of the man long before the marriage ceremony ever takes place. And it was usual in Jesus' day for the betrothal, the signing of that contract, to be separated by up to a year until the wedding ceremony took place. And during that time, listen, during that time, during that year, that waiting, 
the bridegroom would undertake to construct their future home. This also dovetails with our relationship with Jesus because after sealing the covenant with the church, Jesus ascended to heaven to his father's home to prepare a dwelling place for you and me, his bride. Because as we saw just prior to his death, Jesus told his disciple, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again so that where I am there, you may be also. Now, according to Jewish marriage law, when the time came for the marriage ceremony, the groom would return for his bride accompanied by his friends. But that exact time of his arrival was not known in advance. It wasn't known by the bride. It wasn't even known by the bridegroom. Only the father knew. The same is true of Jesus' coming. Even he doesn't know. Only the father. This is likewise true for us. Just as the Bible says, we do not know the day or hour of Jesus' return, of the rapture. And in the Jewish wedding, the groom's arrival was announced with a shout. The church's bridegroom, Jesus, has been separated from us, his bride, for 2,000 years now. But one day, he will come for us. He will snatch us from the earth to meet him in the air. And when he does, the Bible says it will be accompanied by the shout of an angel. 1 Thessalonians 4, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, the voice of an archangel, the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will raise from their graves. And then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. And so just as in a Jewish wedding, neither do we know exactly when this is going to happen. So we must be ready and alert as she had to be. The Jewish bride remained hidden at the groom's house for seven days, awaiting the wedding banquet. In like fashion, the church will remain hidden, if you will, for a period of seven years during the prophesied tribulation period awaiting the wedding banquet. At the end of the seven years, the church doesn't show up in the seven years in the book of Revelation. And once the seven-day waiting period was complete, the Jewish bride left the bridal chamber for the first time unveiled. Likewise, after waiting out the seven years of tribulation in heaven, the church will return to the earth with Christ, where the wedding feast will then take place. So as a review, the new birth, justification, and sanctification, the rapture takes place, caught by surprise, snatching of the bride by the groom, taking to his house, to heaven, the judgment seat of Christ, the wedding ceremony, and then the millennium which is the beginning is when the wedding feast takes place. So how does today's lesson apply to me? Boy, does this ever apply to us. Revelation 19.9 says, Write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. So as we close, please listen to how a Jewish wedding marriage so perfectly dovetails with a pre-tribulation position. In fact, only with a pre-tribulation position. Listen, number one, just as a Jewish groom went to the home of the bride to pay the purchase price required to marry the bride, 
so too Jesus came to the earth 2,000 years ago to pay the purchase price required by giving his life on the cross, the highest and ultimate price that could ever be paid. And number two, although Jesus paid the price, he cannot take you as his bride without your consent. And that occurs or occurred when you receive Christ personally as your Savior, when you say yes to his proposal. And third, once you accept Jesus' proposal, you become legally betrothed to him, legally his, exclusively his. And a marriage contract is signed in his blood, and it would take a divorce for Jesus to leave you. But he will never divorce you. Jesus tells us, I will never leave you or forsake you, even if we are unfaithful in that marriage, even if we are unfaithful during this betrothal period. He remains faithful. 2 Timothy 2, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Fourth, during the betrothal, during this period, during the time when we live apart from Jesus, just as the Jewish groom went to get the home ready for his bride, Jesus likewise has gone back to heaven, quote, to prepare a place for you. And he said, then I will come again so that where I am there, you may be also. Can you imagine how incredibly beautiful heaven must be if Jesus has had 2,000 years to prepare that place for you? We're going to be blown away. And just as the Jewish bride, once transported to her new home, was hidden from her groom for seven days, so too you and I will wait the seven years between when the official ceremony takes place and seven years later, when Christ returns to the earth, us with him, where you and I will take part in the wedding feast. Wow, we have a lot to look forward to. So as we close, you know, I pray that we would have grateful hearts for what God has done for us, for his incredible love, his grace that goes beyond bounds, the fact that he has gone to prepare a place for us and because of what Jesus has done, there's a guarantee that we will spend eternity with him in heaven and to be grateful for that. You know, the statement's being made, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. I think it was C.S. Lewis said, the truth is until we are heavenly minded, we will be no earthly good. There's a lot of value that comes from understanding this is not my home because it's not. You all have a temporary address. You may have lived in your house for 50 years. It's a temporary address. You know what your permanent address is? RD number one heaven. That's where you're going. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we are so grateful for your great, great love for us. As demonstrated by Jesus dying on the cross. And Father, we know that all of that love your, your, your incredible desire, longing to get back to the way it was designed before the fall, before death and decay, before thorns and thistles, before the separation of death, to get back to that where we can walk in the garden with you once again. You long for that day. Father, we're so grateful that you're a groom that is so excited about your bride coming home. We don't want to forget that. Father, keep that ever present in our minds that when we think about this wedding banquet, that we wouldn't think about us, but we picture you (laughs) 
so excited to have us home, so excited for us to walk in, to live in the world you've created for us, where we will never, ever be apart again. Today on Study of the Word, we listen into a portion of Pastor Tom Keller's study in Revelation. You can hear it again when you log on to cclev.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Calvary Chapel, Lebanon. If you'd rather have a CD copy, call us at 717-273-5633. If you find these studies helpful to your walk, please let us know. That would be so encouraging to Pastor Tom and the team. Give us a call right now at 717-273-5633 or write to Study the Word. 740 Willow Street, Lebanon, Pennsylvania, 17046. You can also email us through the website at ccleb.com. Study the Word is made possible through the support of listeners just like you. And thank you for helping us reach thousands with the love and truth of Jesus Christ. To give online, go to ccleb.com or call 717-273-5633. We hope you'll visit us sometime here at Calvary Chapel, Lebanon. For our service times and more information, go online to ccleb.com. You can also watch our live stream there at ccleb.com or on our YouTube channel at Calvary Chapel, Lebanon. Study the Word with Pastor Tom Keller is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Lebanon. May God richly bless you as you study the Word. Come back next time when we'll pick up where we left off in Revelation. Revelation.